Hello and welcome to Where's Shaz, the podcast. I'm Shaz Ahmed and my mission is to empower, educate and inspire you with stories, knowledge and guests in the world of property, finance and business. So let's go. to another episode of Change with Raji. Here we are Friday at six, like we say, we will be every single week bringing you someone um, from the business world uh, to talk about their life um, and share some amazing knowledge with you guys. Um, so guys, as you know, we are trying to build this platform into something amazing, um, something that you know small businesses can really gain from um, a community where we can share and we can grow um, and hopefully a lot of you can see our vision and we would be so grateful if you could show us any type of support uh, we are doing a little fundraiser on um, just giving uh, the link will be in the description of the YouTube video and things like that um, but yeah I mean even if you can't donate just share it or, or, or you know give us a follow on our pages subscribe to our YouTube uh, follow us on Twitch we even have Twitch, um, you know, those kind of things, drop us a comment, likes, all these things show us support. And we are very, very grateful for all of them. But without further ado, uh, I'm going to bring on our guest today. Um, so he's a good friend of mine. He's someone actually that's been recently really helping me um, kind of put me in contact with good people and helping me get my business out there. Um, and I have massive, massive amounts of respect for him. And it's always nice when, you know, it can be a daunting journey in business, but when you have people that are surrounded you're surrounded by that can give you great advice and just point you in the right direction it can make a huge huge difference um, and that's why networking and sharing is so important it's a win-win for everybody um, but yeah so his name is Shazad um, and he is a mortgage specialist and he does finance with property investors don't ask me what that means I have no idea but I will bring him on so he can explain okay welcome Shaz hello hi, hi. <laughs> hi thanks for having me on that was a hell of an intro Ah, oh, thank you. It was all honest, all honest. Um, but yeah, go on, Shaz, fire away. Tell us what you do um, and all that lovely stuff. So what do I do? I am a commercial mortgage broker. Um, so basically I work with property investors, so people who buy property to either do up and sell for a profit or they buy them and rent them out. So they're investing in property rather than living in them. Uh, I'm kind of the middleman or the broker, so I arrange their finances if they can't, if they don't buy it in cash because not everyone's that well off, unfortunately. So they need lending. Um, what you find is a lot of these lenders are specialists. You can't find them on the high street. So, for example, Lloyd's, Barclays, or whoever won't do that kind of stuff. So the specialist lending away from the high street. I'm a broker in the middle, and I arrange people's finances to help them start, scale, and grow their portfolios. Right. So what you're saying is that there's like a bunch of people out there that aren't like banks and and like you know organizations and stuff that are willing to is it give give money to invest that yeah, bit i'm so, confused at sorry sure sure so to give money to invest so you know if, you, if you're a landlord and you've got a property you're renting out that's a buy to let because you're buying to let out right um, or for example if you're buying a property that's very run down can't get a mortgage because there's no bathroom or kitchen for example right you can't actually you can't rent that but you need some sort of funding to maybe do the property up and your intention is to sell it in six or nine months make a profit that mm -hmm. specialist funding is definitely not available on the high Right. So these lenders, what they will gain from that is basically a, an amount of interest or a fee. I mean, what? why would they gain from giving somebody else money who's got no money to go and buy a house? 
Yeah, so, well, first of all, they're not going to give you 100%. They're never going to fund everything. They want you to have some, what they call, skin in the game, some risk. But what they gain from it is, yeah, interest and fees. Um, the fees do add up. So it's normally a £1,000 admin fee, a 2% arrangement fee, interest, of course, uh, valuation fees, legal fees. All these fees do add up. So what you'll notice when you speak to investors as you go down this journey is they've all got these really funky spreadsheets on Excel working out the return on investment, the return on cash employed, how much have I got to put in. Um, if you can find the right deal, the money is there to be made. So I'm based down in South Wales um, and in the Welsh Valleys and also up north. Because the, the accent didn't give it away. <laughs> yeah, the Welsh accent. So, but yeah, in the Welsh Valleys or up north, um, you can buy a house quite easily for 60, 70,000 pounds spend 10 to 15,000 pounds on it and it will be worth 110 to 20,000 pounds at the end and with those numbers you're able to pull out all your money back out pay off your original loan and get a long-term mortgage on it wow incredible now how did you find yourself uh, falling into this kind of like you call yourself a broker essentially so you're like a, a middle person sorting these deals out sourcing the deals etc how did you sort of land in that in that position so, well, I mean, I've been in finance now for best part of 10 years, but I think I wouldn't say luck. I mean, I was made redundant from Barclays. So I was working with Barclays first, but that was more your traditional first time buyer mortgage. You know, I'm living and going to live in a house. I need a mortgage to live in. And that was completely different. So right now I'm getting my own business because of the social media and all that kind of stuff. But back with Barclays, Barclays is a brand. You're just churning business, as it were. They made us redundant um, to move all the jobs to Liverpool. And that was a bit of a kick in the teeth because it was like, I understood it was nothing personal, it is business, but that's also, that's, also the, that's also the bad thing. There is no personal touch. It's a business. They're never going to look out for you long term. So I think it got made redundant, um, had six months gardening leave, had money to play with. And what I did, I set up a business on one hand. So I set up a burger restaurant, Gourmet Burgers, very fun and fancy but I also took time to see what the next step would be and that was moving into specialist finance because I had the qualification um and I just want to see what it was all about really and that's that's how the journey started so do you still do you still run the burger restaurant as well unfortunately not no so it's still within the family damn it Walker got a uh, free burger <laughs> I, st I still get freebies um it's still within the family but basically i think i wasn't giving it enough time or attention so i was i would be sat there but on my laptop doing finance because i was so busy with the finance and it wasn't a good use of anyone's time so i thought look i'll sell my share and let them run it but i still get freebies because it's still family Mm. I'm just thinking, would I travel to Wales for a burger? Yes, I would. Okay. <laughs> for they're, a free burger, actually, I would travel to Wales. Yeah, I, I admit it. Right. So yeah, award, so award-winning burgers, right? Oh, definitely traveling then. Um <laughs> so 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 this jump that you made um from being employed, uh, obviously you got made redundant. Was that the push for you to say, you know what, I'm gonna work for myself? Pretty much, yeah. Because again, like you say, although I understood it's nothing personal, that was the issue that they they didn't care about you as people. It was just profit, numbers, business, which I understand because they've got to run a business. But for me, that didn't work long term. Um, and that was it. It was to go self-employed. So I remember when I was speaking to the the managing director of the firm that I'm with now, and he was like, "Yeah, he will take you on. You know, no issues. But it's self-employed. There's no kind of income. You got to work and get it." And I was like, okay, cool, you know, I'll do that. However, is there any kind of retainer or any kind of monthly buffer you can give me just to keep me over the first couple of months? And he was like, yeah, no chance. I was like, why not? He said, look, 
I know if I give you a guaranteed income, even if the first three months you can pay me back, I know you're not going to be as hungry as if I pay you nothing because you know you've got to do something to get an income. And I tell him now that's the best thing he ever did for me because, yeah, you know you're sink or swim, all or nothing. You don't do anything. You're not making anything. Um, and that really does light a fire in your bum. Absolutely. I think when your back's up against the wall, there's only one way you can go. And you often hear this from a lot of people where they was in a situation and something amazing came out of that situation. But what was the what was what would you say was the biggest challenge for you in terms of you had the knowledge, obviously you come from that background, but where was the biggest challenge from going from employed to self-employed? Um, I think it is generally getting a book of clients. So I started with no clients, no brand, no one knew who I was. Um and it's a case of, well, how do you get clients? And I was like, I can, they can open doors for me. They get me in certain places, but it's down to me to either show people my knowledge or to just impress people or create a relationship. Um, and believe it or not, I'm pretty shy. I don't really like talking about myself too much, but that's that was the barrier. It's kind of get yourself out there because at the end of the day, there's thousands of mortgage brokers. Um, there's some who are cheaper than you, so they don't charge fees, for example. So why would someone want to use you? And for me, that was the thing. Well, actually, they're going to want to use me for me. So I need to lean into my personality a lot more. Um, and the ones who don't like me, they weren't going to work with me anyway. Absolutely. And and you said, you know, there are thousands and thousands. Um, sorry, there are thousands and thousands of mortgage brokers. So what is it that you do particularly to help yourself stand out? Because before somebody really gets to meet you obviously when you meet you, you you know I know you enough to say you're very honest and you know you work very well and sometimes you you have no calms in saying no to a client if you need to um so what is it how would somebody you know how would you basically make yourself stand out for them to get to that point where they then get to know you because no one's going to know you before they meet you do you know what I mean so how do you make people come to you in that sense or do you yeah. go to people so it's you know I think for me it's been a kind of a multi multi-strategy approach so it was a combination of going to physical networking events when this was you know a year and a half two years ago physical networking events combining that with social media so doing using my instagram to actually just give out lots and lots of content without even asking for anything back which is a gary vaynerchuk kind of thing so doing that um and then word of mouth you know you deal with one client they are happy with you they'll tell at least five people at least one of those will come come and ask you help them and so on and so forth so they pay it forward so i think that's what you got to do and then but there is pressure you've got to be consistent you can't your first networking event you're not going to get any clients because no one goes there with a deal in their hand it's a long-term thing and you've got to show up and you've got to be approachable charming whatever you've got to be there every single month and doing it and the same with social media you know you could do a really good post but people have short memories if you don't keep posting weekly monthly daily whatever people will not remember you. So yeah. And also in terms of word of mouth, you're only as good as your last deal. So yeah, you've had 10 clients who love you. Number 11 thinks you're an absolute idiot. Well, actually he's the one who's going to put feedback on more than everyone else. Mm. And that's what will be remembered. Mm. Well, you touched on, on, on so many different points there. So let, let's start with, with, with the networking. So I know that networking is something that you, um, you know, do quite heavily. Uh, what, what makes you successful in networking? What types of what types of skills do you use when you're networking in order to build your brand? So the first thing is I hardly talk about myself when I'm networking. Like I absolutely because I don't it's just I don't see. I don't think I'm adding anything to their lives, but people love talking about themselves, you know, what you're doing in property and they'll tell you everything. Um, 
I also don't sell like that. I, I play little games in my head. Like if I can get away, get if I can go like ten minutes, half an hour without mentioning what I do, to me that's a win for me internally. So just because I want to talk about them and what they do, uh, but also I did a I did a post. This is ages ago, and it, it kind of people engaged with it really well. I think it was relatable. It was a post called the Reluctant Networker, and it was just talking about how I generally don't like to network, but I'm doing it and I'm doing it really well. So two of the things that I'll give away that I do. Uh, one is I'll kind of find myself a role. So, for example, you know, you'll see people at networking events, and you know, all they're doing is giving their cards. They smooth, they work in the room, and they're going to give everyone their card. That's their role. They just work in the room. So, for me, I try and act as a connector. So, for example, I'll be like, okay, Raj, you know, how are you doing? What are you here for today? And you'll say, I want to. I'm actually looking for an accountant. I'll say, okay, you know what? If you speak to Mark over there, he's a he's a great accountant. Let me introduce you, and I'll just leave you guys to carry on. And if you do that enough, people will think you know everyone, even though you kind of don't. Um, and that gives you a good kind of uh, good foundation. Um, the other thing I do a lot of is a lot of pre-networking, and it works really well for me. So especially now in, in social media days, Facebook and that, you can really see who's going to what event quite early on because it shows you on the event pages. Mm. I would often contact those people a week before the event. You know, hi, I can see you're going to the event. Are you looking forward to it? I'm going. This is what I do. Nothing major, just a small kind of small talk icebreaker because by the time you then get to the actual event, you're not, you've broken the ice. You're they not a stranger. Absolutely. And, you know, they'll come speak to you because they've seen you. So even if you're quite not approaching people, they'll approach you. And again, it's perception. People see that happen to you. They'll think, okay, this guy must be popular. Mm. This guy must know what he's on about. Let's go speak to him. Um, mm-hmm. So those are the two key things, pre, uh, pre-networking and also finding your role and actually going in on your role. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you not like, do you not worry that you might waste time? Because if you're going to a networking event, obviously the point is to not like directly, but yes, to get business for yourself. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be honest here. So if you're spending like, you know, time like saying, oh, hello, meet, hello, hello, meet, hello, and then just going away, then do you not feel like your time is being wasted? No, because what will happen is eventually someone will introduce you to someone who wants your services. Say that again, sorry. Sorry, so I don't think it's a waste because what will happen eventually is someone will introduce you to someone who wants to speak to you. Okay. Because you mentioned a point earlier that it makes you look like kind of, um, uh, it makes you look like you know everyone. Do you feel like that's uh, that's an important thing then? In for a lot of people in business, they they like to um, kind of uh, n- they like to connect with somebody who they think knows a lot of other people. And if they think that person knows a lot of other people, they're more likely to stay connected to that person. Definitely, and I think it, it helps with perception as well. So if you're perceived as someone who knows the people, then yeah, people will come and. Mm-hmm. Come and speak to you. And I think the other thing that worked really well for me, and this is you know, I've been fortunate, is I've been able to speak at events. So industry-specific mm. property events, I get to go on the stage, give them a five-minute mortgage update. And again, it means I don't have to then do a pitch because actually I'm the I'm the preferred partner. They've introduced me already and I've given them an update. Um, so then they know what I do. I haven't got to do a sales pitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. And these events that you speak at, do you find them online or do is it connections that will point you in that direction? How do you go about speaking at events? Um, you know what it is? So the property industry is a bit of a bubble and I'm sure most industries are quite insular in, in themselves. So within the, the property industry, you know what events are going on, you know what the good ones are. 
uh, you know what the bad ones are and you know which ones are value for money. So a lot of these events really depends. The good ones are where the hosts are lively and where the guest speakers are adding a lot of value instead of just selling you something. So you just try and go to those ones. And as I say, I'm speaking at two events regularly every month in Cardiff and in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And that helps as well. So because I've spread the location quite wide, um, it does help you spread and get more clients. Now, I know that public speaking, public speaking is actually something that you're quite um, that you don't really like to do. So how do you get yourself to do all these events and stuff? Again, it's one of those sink or swim. You've got to do it. I don't I don't particularly mind public speaking, but I think I could definitely be much, much better, better at it. Um, so, yeah, I think I need to improve my content and my delivery. But I don't completely get scared in front of a group. Because, again, for me, it's like I know they're there to listen to me. Whereas if it's one of those situations where someone says, OK, can you all get up and introduce yourselves? Then I'm like, oh, God, have I really got to do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I and I reckon that, you know, in a, in a in especially in an industry like property is where there's so many events and so many people speaking. I think what what sort of attracts people to go and listen to a particular so- someone, like you said earlier, is the brand that you build. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. So like the Instagram, the name of the Instagram. So where's Shaz? Um, that came off of the network. There he is. He's, he's here, there and everywhere. So yeah, <laughs> essentially, I was going he's to. Here, he's here event. on Change with Raji live at six. Yes, live at six. Catch me. Um, so yeah, with, with that, I was initially going to so many networking events that because I was posting on, about them on Instagram, people say, oh, where's Shaz today? Where's Shaz today? And that's how the name came about. So, and that's the other thing as well in terms of networking. It's just you've got to keep doing all these things in line with each other. So, if I go to an event tomorrow, whether or not get any clients or not, I know I still need to post about it, take a picture whilst I'm there because on my social media it shows I'm actually mingling with these people. I'm there, you know, at this event. Either I've given knowledge or I've gained knowledge, and I'm around the right people. So you have to follow up and do all these things. It's no good going to an event. And if no one knows about it, then no one knows about it. Incredible. And in terms of, uh, so you mentioned that uh, something that you do as well is posting out a lot of content, content that's meaningful. What's what's meaningful content to you? Um, so, again, in our industry, and I can only talk specifically about mortgage brokers and the mortgage world, a lot of people who do what I do are quite reluctant to give away names of lenders because all they want to do is hook you in and say, look, contact me, call me, and I'll give you... I'll give you the deals. For me, I'm more. I'm very happy to tell people the strategy, the finance type, and actually that this lender in particular is doing it because, yeah, chances are you could possibly go to that lender directly and cut me out, or you could take that lender's name and give it to your actual broker and say, look, I saw this guy called Shaz. He suggested this lender. Can we try that? I think you know you could do that. But I don't really care because end of the day, if you're gonna cut me out, we, again, we're not. We weren't gonna have a long-standing relationship anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not insecure like in that way. And a lot of mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are, and I get lots of DMs from brokers. I used to not so much anymore, saying, Look, "Why are you giving away the secret source?" And I'm like, "There's no, there is no secret. You know, this is all just information. Um, it's how you deliver it. Like I, mm-hmm. I do a lot of car- carousels on Instagram, which are visually appealing. So because I did media studies in uni, so. Okay. That means I, I enjoy like the visual side of things, the graphics, and that comes easy to me. Amazing. And I think um, 
in terms of in business itself it's so hard to find people that are generally very very transparent and very honest um but there, there's the different layers of sharing information i think anyway because i think people will sometimes be reluctant to share certain things and that's to me having a fixed mentality which will take you so far but if you if your goal is to become big then i think you have to be able to share information so in that sense less people are less likely to cut you out of that process because they have now found somebody who's been very honest in fact too honest with them so you know that's very rare to find so why would they then take away that part of the equation because now that part of the equation's gone and they're going directly with the lender there is more risk involved that way because now they don't have honest chance who's going to tell them the truth do you know what i mean yeah and the other thing as well is i know a lot of to me, it's less salesy because a lot of salespeople do what they call a bait and switch. So they'll hook you in with like headline figures. Mm. And when you engage with them, say, oh, that's not available anymore. But actually, if I'm telling you which lender's doing it, then that definitely exists. You've just got to contact me if you want to. Amazing. Incredible. Um, yeah. So in terms of where Shaz, talk to us. Talk to us about where Shaz. I know it's a podcast that you do. Um, yeah. Tell us. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so I started a podcast uh, relatively recently. I think it's 17 episodes, and now we're having a bit of a break. So the aim was really to just inspire people with stories from people in the world of like property, finance, um, and business. But I realised I'm actually quite interested in talking about mindset as well, because that is very important in business. So the podcast is on like Spotify, Apple, Google, all the usual channels. Um, we've had some good guests so far, but they've all been fairly property related, but also business. I'm trying to move on now in terms of just wider business and also mindset as well. And it's always interesting speaking to people. Um, it's been a good opportunity to talk to people I've never speak to it before. Um, mm -hmm. Learning their stories. I think everyone has given away something valuable that someone can implement. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more there. And what's the next steps for where, Shaz? So, as I say, we're on a bit of a break. Um, one was to kind of just refine the tech some of the feedback from other people on board so some of the feedback i've had is shaz we know you know a lot more about these topics than you're letting on you know you're letting us hope you're letting the guests speak a bit too much please interject more so i'll be doing that um probably do some more video content like right now i don't do any videos but i'll probably be recording some of that as well um as you know i recently went on a like a public speaking course just to help improve some of the technical skills so i'll be doing that as well so yeah we're refining and, and just take them to the next level. Mm -hmm. And how did you how did you go about getting feedback from people? I just ask, like, I think, you know, yeah, I just ask. And you've got, obviously, you've got your circle of people you genuinely trust who will tell you the truth. I think it's difficult mm -hmm. because, yeah, I think people might think you, you might get upset or offended, so people may not give you true feedback. But then, yeah, there are those people you know in your life who can tell you the truth and say, yeah, actually, this needs to work on. Amazing. That's useful to know. Um, fantastic. Right. So let's have a look here. Okay. We've got a few questions. Um, bang on time. So first question we have is what types of mortgages are available? Okay, cool. So if we focus on the investment space, I mean, well, first of all, if you're going to live in a house, then that's your straightforward traditional residential mortgage. Um, that the amount you can borrow for that is based on your personal income and expenditure. So typically four and a half times your income is what you can borrow, plus you add your deposit, and that's what you can have to have to live in. Then when it comes to investment and specialist finance, it's a lot more you can do. So if you're just gonna buy a house, 
and it's rentable and you're going to rent it out, then you need a buy to let mortgage. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do some of what they call a project, so this is a strategy people use called BRR, buy, refurbish, refinance. So in simple terms, you buy a property for perhaps cheaper than what you think it actually is worth. So a little, you know, you buy for a good price. Then you refurbish it. So you spend a bit of money, new kitchen, new bathroom, whatever. You do, do some work to it. The theory being the value will go up. And then when you've done that, you refinance onto a buy-to-let mortgage. Um, the plan essentially is that when you refinance, you're going to release enough money to clear off any original loans you've got, pay yourself back, and also you're going to keep the monthly income forever. So that essentially is an infinite return on investment. Now, it doesn't always happen. A lot of sometimes you may be, they call it leaving money in, which means you're only going to release enough money, but you're going to, five grand of your money is still in the project, but then you may get that back in a year because of the rent. So this is a strategy long term. Um, but yeah, if you are doing projects, the initial kind of buying and the refurbishing has to be on short term finance. So short term finance is also known as bridging finance because it bridges the gap until you can get a long term mortgage. Um, you can get money for the work as well. And there's all these creative things you can do, which I won't go too much into depth in here, but there's so much creative stuff you can do. Um, and these days, like investors, I think there's a big difference between being a landlord and an investor. You know, you could be a landlord with five, 10 properties. You've got someone managing them. You don't really do much. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're a landlord. You're probably not treating it as a business. Whereas investors invest in properties. They use different strategies and they use that as that's their business and they want to become financially free from property. So with investors, and this is big where you are in the Midlands, um, service to accommodation where they put properties or apartments on Airbnb that needs a special kind of mortgage because most lenders want to have an, a tenancy agreement. What's the rent going to be each month and will lend based on that. But of course, if it's on Airbnb, there is no guaranteed income. So there's different ways of assessing it. Um, what else? I mean, commercial, semi-commercial. So you're buying a shop or you're buying a, a shop with four flats above all sorts of funding is available. You can lit- look, as long as you can provide some sort of security. So there's an asset to secure against, you can get money to fund it. Incredible. Talking about create, <clears throat> sorry, talking about creativity, I noticed um, on your LinkedIn profile, I had a question actually. It says that you, uh, you you have creatively straightforward finance. What does that mean? What it means to me is, so I've, I've given you like a two minute blurb and there's a lot of words and there's a lot of, you know, it can confuse people. Mm-hmm. So I think part of the point of using or engaging with someone like me is that I can simplify it for you. Mm-hmm. So you can understand what's happening. You can tell me what your end goal is. I'll figure out the middle bits, which are the you know the kind of complicated bits, and I can present you with a simple solution in a simple way. So, in yeah, I can make things layman in a straightforward way when actually it's quite creative on the back end. Nice, really cool. Um, right, we have another question. Um, how much deposit would I need if I wanted to buy a house? So, again, if you look at residential mortgages or house to live in, at the moment, there are the government 5% schemes. So if you're a first-time buyer, and there are other lenders doing if you're not a first-time buyer, you can get away with just putting 5% down. Uh, Of course, the rates are higher. um, And I think there is a risk because if the property prices did suddenly go down, you're at risk of being in negative equity because you've only got 5% of your own 
keep your own money in. So just be mindful of that. If you've got more deposit, put more down if you can. Um, when it comes to buy to let, typically 25% deposit is what you need. There are some lenders doing 20 and 15%, but the rates are dirty. Um, so you don't want to be on those rates. 25% is, I would say, the average. And that's what most people do. Interesting. Uh, and we have another question. Um, how much money is there really in what you do? There's a lot. So I'll, I'll tell you straight up. So the the lenders will always pay the broker. And typically it's about 0.4% of the loan size. So I've got my calculator here. Let's say if someone's borrowed £100,000, then the lender's going to pay £450 to the broker. Now, that's actually not a lot, if I'm honest, because... From that, you've got your own overheads, you know, running a business, you've got things to cover off that, including the license and so on, the insurance. That's what you get. Um, then some brokers are, like myself, we also charge broker fees to the client. So you keep that as well. This is why I don't really, I'll do a lot of stuff in South Wales, but I also do stuff in the Midlands because in South mm. Wales, you can buy a house for £60,000, but the lender's fee on that is not going to be amazing at all. Whereas in Birmingham, you know, people are buying houses and doing conversions for five hundred thousand pounds, which makes it all worthwhile. So it's a it's a balancing act, but there's enough money in what I do. Interesting, and I'm guessing it's a long term game, isn't it? At the end of the day, just like with anything, it, it's I, quite funny because often I feel you know a lot of people ask this question uh, in whatever industry you're in. I mean, people will say like, how much money is there in branding? And just like it tends, business can be quite glamorized to a lot of people. I think it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's important to remember it's a long-term game. Um, and often it's 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 a lot of hard work and dedication and you're doing more than what you're getting paid for to start off with. But over the long run, it starts to build up and things start to, you know, kind of come together. Yeah. And the other thing I would add actually is um, because I deal with investors who are building their portfolio, they're not just buying one property. They're going to be buying maybe six in a year. So I've got six bites of the cherry. I've got six lots of lender fees. Coming mm. in. So it's more regular business. Whereas if it was residential mortgages, they're going to buy a house once every five years is the yeah. average. So there's less return on, on clients coming in. Whereas with investors, they're doing multiple transactions, you know, once every other month. If yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have another question. Is the mortgage transferable if I move to another property? Kind of, yes. So a lot of residential mortgages are what they call portable. Now, what porting or portable mortgages means is, say you move to the house, as long as you don't borrow any additional money, you can just take that rate with that rate on that amount of money with you to the next property. They still have to do a valuation. So the new house has to value up, but that is possible. If we did want some extra money, then they would have to just reassess your circumstances and the additional amount would be on a different rate. But yes, you can. So the it's where the mortgage itself isn't, but the rate is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how has um, how has lockdown kind of affected your business, or has uh, it? Yes, I mean, I guess it has and hasn't. Um, so first lockdown, I was actually in Pakistan. I was stuck there. Um, so I went for a family wedding. Um, I was meant to be there for two weeks. Took my laptop, thinking I'd do a bit of work, you know, just whilst I'm there. Day three of the holidays, suddenly the world's locked down and, you know, COVID's a real thing. God. Um, yeah, and I was there for like three months in the end. But the good thing was I had my laptop. But just by chance, I was able to do a lot of work. I was very productive on the other side of the world. Um, 
And then, yeah, when I got back, like I said, there was no physical networking. They were all on Zoom. So that was a different change. But it meant my costs were lower because I was working from home. I wasn't traveling as much. I wasn't paying for accommodation. And actually, business was busier because the government was pumping so much money into the economy to keep things just ticking over. A lot of that money was being used for investments, whether it should have been or not been. Um, I would say mortgage brokers on the whole are busier than ever, especially right now with stamp duty. I mean, it's going to end end of this month. People are clamoring just to make as many savings as they can. Um, solicitors are feeling the pressure. I spoke with so many solicitors who are just like a breaking point because there's so many things coming through. But yeah, I think how it's changed is that my costs have been reduced. I'm not traveling. I'm not on the road as much. But on the flip side, I'm actually doing more business because we are as busy as we've ever been. Incredible. And moving forward, do you think you're going to implement these changes? Like, do you think you're going to do more things online to keep your costs lower? Uh, potentially. So I ran a like a bridge a, a specialist finance webinar um, about six months ago, and that was about 100 people at peak. So that was good. And I could do that from home. So that I think there's some things I would do. So I'll probably do one of those again because it meant people from Scotland, Newcastle could virtually attend and without having to visit me in a hotel room, or like a, a hotel or exhibition room. Uh, but I think nothing actually comes close to physical networking, like face to face. I don't enjoy doing the Zoom networking because it's just I can't really engage with people. There isn't that that kind of connection. So I think the what they're saying is they're going to come back doing that kind of stuff in September. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'll definitely do more kind of online webinars and seminars because it is easier for people to attend mm -hmm. whether they're in other side of the country. Yeah, I think it's really about sort of having having more of a balance, just knowing that, you know what, it's something that I, I've come to terms with recently. I mean, I spent obviously the whole of last year doing things online on the computer, pitching people on, you know, through Zoom and meeting with speaking with clients through Zoom and networking through Zoom. And I was still very, very new in my business. So yeah. it was quite a lot to start off with. But I think um, something moving forward is that, yes, I definitely am excited about the face-to-face -face and networking and public speakings and all that type of stuff. But definitely I'm not going to forget how how important and how uh, also beneficial things can be online. And I think if we don't learn from these things and adapt, then just like you know, we see time and time again what happens to companies and situations that don't adapt. And I wouldn't want that situation to happen, obviously. So it's definitely like uh, you know, an eye opener for myself. Yeah, I think you've definitely got to be, like you said, adaptable and fluid uh, with what's happening. Um, but what the main benefit of this whole pandemic, if there's been any, is the use of technology. So Zoom was not even the popular app before the lockdown, but now everyone's using it and teams and all these other apps mm -hmm. um you know so those things have accelerated and there is definite benefits in doing that but then i you know i i have some clients and they want to they're, the, they're the first time they spoke to me and they want to arrange a zoom call i'm just like Look, a phone call's fine let's just do phone calls because pre-lockdown a phone call was perfectly adequate so i think there's pros and cons i'm not the biggest fan of zoom mm -hmm. And then finally, uh, you know, leave it, leave it on this. What what advice would you give to people who want to go down the route of, you know, the line of work that you're in? Um, what advice would you give them? Um, so I would say it's definitely not easy, but it's definitely worthwhile. Um, I think I've I've done what I've done or what I've do as a as a PAYE employee and also self-employed. So if I had the choice, always go self-employed because. 
financially, but also in terms of uh, being independent, there's much more benefits doing it for yourself. Um, but I would say do it for the right reasons because end of the day, think about what you're doing. So yeah, I'm a mortgage broker, but actually what I'm doing is I'm helping people buy property that other people are going to live in. So if I am not responsible with what I'm telling people, or if I sit on things too long because I'm scared of giving bad news, there is a genuine impact on the on the other end. Um, you know, someone's going to live in that house and so on. So just do it for the right reasons um, and yeah, be self-employed. Fantastic. Amazing. That was amazing information, um, Shaz. I'm going to... So, guys, look, you can find him on Facebook, uh, facebook.com, obviously, facebook.com, <laughs> um, slash where's Shaz. If you just type in where's Shaz, you'll find him. Um, he's also on LinkedIn as well. Um, it's Shazad Ahmed on LinkedIn if you want to check his profile out. Instagram, um, if you want to look at those cool carousels that he's talking about and many other exciting posts that he's got going on, then jump on and search where shaz on instagram um and yeah thank you so much for your time shaz that was super useful information and things that i didn't really understand i now understand so you definitely are good at creatively putting things straightforwardly <laughs> no worries thanks for having me Raji. no worries shaz take care <laughs> wow guys so um you know like Shaz said, it, it, it is so amazing to, you know, go on that journey of starting your own business and doing things, but you have to do it for the right reasons. Um, I think often I find that, you know, running a business is in, in this day and age quite glamorized. Um, and, you know, it's cool to be a CEO, but actually it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hours. Um, and, you know, it's really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone in so many different ways. Uh, and I think when you're a small business and you're starting off, it's even more daunting because because you're not used to it and you're having to create habits that you've never created before but what will drive you is your passion and your reason why um and you know by having all these different speakers on change with raji who have small businesses um who are not so far down their journey we're able to share that knowledge um with you guys um, and as time goes on that knowledge um will get better and more detailed um but thank you so much uh for jumping on again um uh, obviously remember you can watch it on youtube and everything else afterwards all the descriptions and details will always be in the description box you know help us out by subscribing help us out by liking commenting sharing and all those things that you know are so so important to a new platform of course only if you like the content if you don't like me or the content you don't have to like it or subscribe it um, but on that note have a fantastic weekend and i will see you next friday at six so what did you think of that Please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars of course, and also connect with me on socials at Where's Shaz. Until next time, be humble, be grateful, be peaceful.